Hey, who's excited to be here at Hume this week? Yeah, me too. Nice. I'm used to uh, asking adults at our church that, like questions like that, and then they're always really boring and they don't do it, so I have to like, ask them to do it again, but I'm glad you guys are excited. Hey, I want to uh, take a moment and introduce myself to you guys just so that uh, you know and have an idea of who's going to be up here talking to you guys this week. So my name is Josh. Uh, like Russell or Biscuit said, I'm sorry, oops. Like Biscuit said, uh, my name is Josh. I I'm come from just down the hill uh, here in Fresno or Clovis. They're kind of like sister cities. Uh, I've been a youth pastor at a church down there called New Covenant for just about five years now. And uh, man, one of the greatest joys of my life is getting to hang out with junior high and high school students just like you guys uh, on a weekly basis, sharing God's word with them and watching them fall in love with Jesus. Uh, it is one of the my favorite, favorite things that I get to do. A little bit about me, uh, I have a beautiful wife of two years. Her name is Bryn. Uh, Hume Lake is a special place in our relationship because this is actually where I met her back in 2018 at a winter camp here. Uh, we were counselors for different churches and da-da-da-da-da. She ended up sliding into my DMs. So fellas, hold out hopes. Yeah, there is hope for you guys. Uh, and uh, anyways, she's super awesome. She's going to be up here on Thursday this week. And so if you see her cruising around with me, uh, please say hello. I'm sure she would be thrilled to meet you guys. Our family is uh, small, but we've got two dogs, uh, Asher and Maggie. Maggie is my girl and Asher is her dog. Um, they're basically both our dogs, but uh, Maggie is a hunting dog. I love to hunt. It's one of my favorite things I get to do. And so uh, Maggie is my little beast of a hunting dog and Asher is our couch potato. And so uh, he's a little bit of a prima donna, but that's uh, what our family looks like right now. If I could share with you guys a little bit about my walk with the Lord. Uh, when I was born, uh, faith was a big part of my family. See, I was born into a pastor's family. My dad's been a pastor uh, for coming up on 30 years now. Uh, and my mom served as the women's ministry director at the church that I grew up at uh, for just over 10 years. And so you can imagine that the family that I was born into uh, really emphasized church and church attendance and faith and, and relationship with God and so I was raised in that environment. I'm sure some of you guys have a similar story to me raised in a Christian home. The unique thing for me is that my faith really didn't take on a personal look for me until the summer before my junior year of high school. God really got a hold of my attention, really began to change my life. And it was at that moment that I really made him the Lord of my life. And so uh, from that moment on, man, I've lived for Jesus. That's uh, when I started feeling the call to be in ministry. And God has since led me uh, through college and Bible school and, and all of that good stuff to the place that I'm at. Today, But that is enough about me. I want to meet you guys. And so if you guys would humor me for a second. On three, what I want you guys to do is I want everybody to shout your names. Okay, I've been a youth pastor for five years. I've developed a really unique skill where I can learn them all at once. Sound good? So when I say three, I'm going to need all of you guys to say your name. Sound good? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. I was totally kidding. I don't know what anything, I don't know any of your guys' names. But I would love to meet you guys this week. And so uh, if you see me cruising around camp, please come say hello. Uh, I'm not very good at remembering names. I'm just going to tell you guys right off the bat. So don't hold me to it the first time we meet. Give me a couple chances. Uh, but I promise that I'll give it my best effort to learn your names. Now, just curious, how many of you guys, it's your first time up here at Hume Lake? Any first timers? Awesome. How many in here are returners? 
Very cool, very cool. So this is my first time being up here when it's not summer camp or winter camp. The spiritual emphasis camp is a bit of a new thing for me. So those of you guys who are new, we're kind of in the same boat. We're gonna experience this week together uh, and and just kind of be newbies uh, all at once. Now with that, Let's jump into the important stuff that we've got going on this week. We've got a ton of fun in store. We've got a lot of fun activities, free time, rec time, all kinds of stuff that we've got planned. But one of the things that I'm excited for the most is the time that we're going to spend in this room together, diving into God's word, pursuing Jesus, and seeking to deepen our relationships with him. That is the thing that I love about camp. There's something so unique about getting away from home, getting out of the normal kind of paces of our life and coming to a new place, away from the distractions, away from all the hustle of life and just getting to be here in the presence of God. And that's what I'm excited about. Specifically this week, one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving into the book of Daniel together. Uh, I saw a few raise of hands earlier, but one more time. Anybody in here ever read the book of Daniel? Yeah, or anyone heard about the book of Daniel? Yeah, okay, so, so we're familiar with this. This is a story that I'm sure many of you guys have heard before. I'm sure a lot of you guys grew up hearing this story. But the story of Daniel is an incredible, incredible story. And what we're going to do this week, Biscuit said it earlier, we're going to set out to answer this question together. What would it look like for us to live with resilience as a follower of Jesus in a culture that is increasingly hostile towards Christians? I want to ask you guys this question. Have you guys ever been in a place where you just knew that you didn't belong? Or you just been in, any, just a raise of hands. Anybody ever been in a place where you just knew you just didn't fit in? A few of us. I want to share two quick stories with you guys from my life about places that, that I just, I was at and I just knew that I didn't fit in. One of the things you guys should know about me, uh, I'm a pretty simple guy, okay? Uh, I don't like flashy things. Uh, my life is pretty bare bones, kind of minimalistic. Uh, I don't really do the whole like fancy thing. I really don't like dressing up, especially not in a suit and tie. Uh, I don't really like going to fancy events or fancy restaurants, all of that kind of stuff. But my wife, she works in the healthcare industry. And one of the things you should know about the healthcare industry is there's a lot of money that's wrapped up in the healthcare world. And so when we started dating, she was working for this company. And one of the things that they did was they threw these massive parties, they called them galas, for doctors that belonged to their organization. My wife was a part of this team that threw these, uh, these galas, these parties, and these parties costed uh, like $100,000, okay? So you can imagine big budgets for some big budget people. These were really fancy events. Girls wore ballroom kind of dresses. Guys wore suits and ties. And I remember the first time that I walked into one of these events. I was dressed to the nines. I had my suit and tie on. I looked good. I felt good. But that was about the only part of me that fit in in this setting. Did you guys know that there was a proper way to use a fork and a knife and a spoon? Did you guys know that? Okay, this was news to me. Okay, I had gone like 20, 21 years of my life like not actually knowing the proper etiquette that you were supposed to use when eating at a formal place. So you can imagine, I was in this setting and I looked the part, but there was no other part of me that felt like I belonged. Kind of just a silly example there, but another story that I've gone through uh, takes on a little bit of a different look. The, the summer in between my sophomore and junior year of high school, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip to Kenya, Africa. Anybody ever been to Africa? No? Oh, just me. Well, then I could tell you anything about it and you'll have no idea if I'm telling the truth. 
I'm just kidding. Um, so one of the things that we got to do when we were in Africa uh, was we, we were staying in Kenya and we were, really, we were out in the jungle kind of area. Um, not far from us is where people go and do safaris where they get to go see lions and rhinos and elephants and all that kind of stuff. And so we, one day we went into this little town called Kilgoris. And in Kilgoris, one of the things that we were tasked to do was just to cruise around uh, and we were handing out Bibles to people and just sharing the message of the gospel with people. A really cool opportunity. And everything was going really great. Uh, people were super eager to get Bibles into their hands. Everyone wanted a Bible. At one point, I found myself in a tug-of-war match over the hood of a car with this guy for a full box of Bibles. Why did one man need 30 Bibles? I don't know. Maybe he liked reading it more than I do. But anyways, so, so things were going good. People really wanted the Bible. And then kind of after this, like we were kind of in one main area together. We split off into groups and we were going around kind of doing the same thing. Well, 16-year-old Josh, being as super smart and wise as I was, kind of split off from my group. And so I found myself in the middle of Kilgoris, Kenya, Africa, all by myself. And I'm confident in what I'm doing. Okay, I'm cruising around. I'm like, man, I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. I'm going to give people Bibles. And I look up in this kind of string of stores and I see this group of guys. It's six or seven grown men. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go tell them about Jesus. And so I go walking up into this store all confident. What I failed to realize was that this store was uh, filled with six or seven devout Muslim men. And so here comes 16-year-old Josh, as confident as can be, ready to tell them why they need to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that they should take a Bible. And what I found myself doing was debating them on why the Bible was what they should be reading and not the Quran. Now, I'm not here to, to, whatever. All I'm saying is this. I found myself in a situation where I knew I was not welcome. I knew that I was not in a place that I was supposed to be. And I think that that's a feeling that many of us have experienced here in our lives. That feeling that when we, when we find ourselves in a place that we know we just don't belong it's almost instinctual for us. It's something that I think God has given us. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the world that we live in is growing more and more opposite and anti and hostile towards our God and those of us who call ourselves his followers. And if you follow Jesus, I'm sure that you found yourself at some point or another in this tension Feeling like, man, as a follower of Christ, I just don't feel like I belong. I just don't feel like everybody else is on the same page as me. And as we find ourselves in a culture where following Christ seems to be a more and more unpopular way to live, we're faced with this question, what do we do? How are we supposed to live? How can we be resilient in such a hostile environment and culture? And how can we, in the face of all this adversity, come to embrace the abundant life that's made available to us in Jesus? So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to track through the story of Daniel, who finds himself in a very similar situation to the world that we're living in now. And we're going to kind of follow through these videos that we've started watching tonight as they kind of creatively tell the story. And I don't want you guys to miss it. That's not just a fun, entertaining video. Those are telling the story of Daniel and the work that God is doing all throughout this story. And again, this is the question that will frame our conversation for this week. What does it mean for us to live with resilience as followers of Jesus in a culture that is increasingly more hostile towards Christianity? And what's so cool in the book of Daniel is not only are we gonna get a great story 
and a great example of what it looks like to do this. We're going to be equipped with some tools that we can put in our tool belt so that when we go down this mountain and go back into our homes and our schools and wherever we go, and that we will have what we need to live resilient for Christ in this world. So here's my question. Are you guys ready to chase after Jesus with me this week? Yeah? Let's try that. That was kind of like, yeah. Let's try it one more time. Are you guys ready to chase Jesus this week? Yeah? There we go. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, hold them up. Boom, if you got them. Okay, now open those things up to the book of Daniel. I'll give you guys just a second to find your way to the book of Daniel. We are going to be in chapter 1 tonight. Just a few verses that we're going to cover, but Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, now, as you guys turn there, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us just as we, as we dive in, as we commit this time to the Lord. I'm going to pray for us and ask him that he would open our hearts and our minds to receive what he has. And then we're going to go to God's word and we're going to read together. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be here at Hume this week. Father, for the opportunity that you've given us to get away from the rat race of life and just to find a place that we can be quiet and still before you, away from the distractions. And so, God, as we go to your word, as we read and study the story of Daniel, Father, we're asking that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to be recipient, to be ready to receive what you have for us. And, God, that the truth from your word would take root in our hearts so that when we head down this mountain, Father, that we are different than when we showed up here. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, here we go. Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 tonight. Sound good? Here we go. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, over to him, along with some of the vessels from God's house. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his gods, and he put the vessels in the treasury of his gods. Now, that's all we're covering tonight. A really short passage, just a couple of verses. But what we're going to do tonight is we're going to lay a foundation that we're going to build upon for the rest of the week together. And so we're going to talk a lot about the history of Judah and Babylon. I want to make sure that we understand all that is going on because we've got to understand the context and the situation and the setting that we find ourselves in if we're going to really begin to understand the weight of this story. And so we've got to answer a few questions like, who and what is the kingdom of Judah? Who is Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon? And where is God at in the midst of this story? And so we're going to take those things one by one and we're going to break them down and we're going to get into this together. So in verse one, it says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now, the first thing that we see here in this passage is we're given a timestamp to the historical timeline that this event is happening. It says in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign, which would land us, scholars say, around the year 605 BC. So that we're talking about before Jesus has come, we're talking about Old Testament here, 605 BC is where we find ourselves. And what we're presented with is these two opposing kings and kingdoms who stand in stark opposition to one another. We're gonna get into the details of what these kingdoms were built on, but you have to understand that the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Babylon could not be more different from one another. So the first question we've got to answer is this. 
What is the kingdom of Judah and what are they all about? Now, the kingdom of Judah would have been the southern half of the nation of Israel. Okay? And this was a culture that was built upon the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. We know that the people of Israel, the people of Judah, were a chosen people. We read in Genesis chapter 11 that God chose Abraham's lines to be his people, the people that he would bring about his restorative plan, his redemptive plan for humanity. These would be God's people. And because they were chosen by God, this culture, this nation, this group of people built their lives around God. Everything that they did was centered on Yahweh. Their whole calendar was dedicated to the worship of God. They had seven sacred festivals that they celebrated and practiced every single year that reminded them of God's faithfulness in walking with them through their history. The people of Judah lived their lives in obedience uh, to God's commands. Many of us know these as the Ten Commandments. Raise your hands. You guys ever heard of those? Did you guys know, though, that God didn't just give his people Ten Commands? He gave them over 600. Did you guys know that? That God, so, so God gave his people these 600 commands and it was by their obedience to these commands that they would then live lives that were pleasing to God and this is how they would walk with God. These commands play an important part in the story that we're gonna get to tomorrow. But I want you guys to see that everything that these people were about was centered around God. In the center of their nation, there was a city called Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem was the temple of God. This served as the hub for this group of people. Jerusalem was the place that they would come, they would worship, they would go to the presence of God to make sacrifices and to be redeemed and all of this stuff, even down into their education systems. See, young boys in this culture would go to what they would have called rabbi school. And in rabbi school, they would learn to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Could you guys imagine? How, does anybody in here, you think you've got like 10 Bible verses memorized? Okay, a few, a few like Bible thumpers in here. Could you imagine memorizing the first five books of the Bible? Crazy, right? I say this to say there was such an emphasis on knowing God and worshiping God and our lives being centered around God for this culture, even into the names that they gave their children. See, they spoke the language Hebrew and the names that they would give to their children typically pointed back to one of the attributes of God. An example of this is Daniel's name in Hebrew means God is my judge. And every time Daniel would hear his name, his mind would instantly go to the meaning of God being the God over his life. And so I hope you're getting this picture. For the people in Judah, God was everything. Their culture was centered around him. Their holidays were centered around him. Their names were built on him. Everything they did was for God. Now let's talk about the kingdom of Babylon. So we, we get introduced to this guy. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king of the kingdom of Babylon. He was the royal king. And his name meant, O Nebu, watch over my heir. So we see Daniel's name is in reference to Yahweh, the one true God. Nebuchadnezzar's name was the name that was given to him in reference to one of their idol gods, one of their false gods. So we can see just in, in kind of the foundations of how they name people, these cultures were opposed to each other. 
Now, how about the name of Babylon? Have you guys ever heard of the Tower of Babel? You guys ever heard of that story? So if you haven't, let me just give you a quick overview. It's the story that happens in the book of Genesis. All of humanity comes together to build a tower that would reach to the heavens. It was their attempt to put on this display of their own power, wanting to be equal with God. They wanted to be the gods of their own life, and so they built this tower. All of these people are together, and then Yahweh, God, comes into the picture and he sends this, this spirit of confusion. And what happens is everybody around this tower begins speaking different languages. So have you guys ever heard when somebody says like, oh, they were just babbling? Right, when someone's like talking nonsense. You guys ever heard that? I'm just babbling on about this. It comes from this story where people are talking about things that they're not understanding from different languages. It's all connected here. Where that story takes place is in the city of Babylon, And so this is where the nation of Babylon comes from. The language that they spoke uh, was, was a form of Arabic, not Hebrew. Babylon at this time did not have one God. Instead, they had over 300 gods that they praised and they worshiped and they celebrated. We saw in our movie, in our video, they celebrate the God of the tide, right? They believe that the tide is what brings them everything that they need and it's depicting these idol gods that the kingdom of Babylon had. The worship of these gods didn't include praise and worship and love like worship for Yahweh did. These gods were more marked by things like violence and murder and forced love from people. And this is the setting that we find ourselves in in the story of Daniel. So in the first two verses, we're presented with these two opposing kingdoms, these two places that are worlds different than one another. And we see that the kingdom of Judah is overthrown by the Babylonians. And the Israelite people in Judah are now exiled into this kingdom of Babylon. These two kingdoms that stand at odds. And what I want us to see tonight is we're not just talking about these two kingdoms that existed over 2,000 years ago. These are symbolic and paint a picture for us of the world that you and I live in today. See, we find ourselves in a world where there are two different kingdoms present and they are warring against each other. As we talked about the kingdom of Babylon, I hope you guys were picking up, it sounds an awful lot like our world today. In a culture where people only look out for their own interests, in a culture where everybody wants to be their own God, have you guys seen this in our world today? We have phrases like, you do you, and speak your own truth, and we value having our own truth over submitting to the truth that's found in the person of God and in his word. We live in a culture that pits us against each other and makes us enemies because it wants us to be divided and to fight against one another. It's a culture that wants to dominate each other. It's a culture that seeks to rule our own lives and not submit to one another and not serve one another. It's a culture where people's meaning and purpose and value is found in worldly idols. Things like money and influence and sports and relationships and careers. The picture that I want you guys to see us painting tonight is this. That we are living in a modern day Babylon. And like Daniel, we find ourselves present in this tension 
of trying to decide how can we follow Jesus resiliently when it doesn't feel like anybody else around us is interested in doing the same thing. I'm sure you guys have felt this tension. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, I'm sure you've had that moment where you said, I just don't feel like I belong here. I know that I have those moments all the time. I find myself in a setting or a place or in a group of people that just do life differently than me. I found myself in groups of people who think very harshly about the way that I live and they put it down. People who look at the way that, that we are called to live as Christ followers and they call us intolerant and unloving, right? And if we disagree with the ways of this world, people get canceled. I mean, this, is, this is very relevant for us. Friends, we are living in a modern day Babylon. This is the world that you and I find ourselves in today. And this is the world that we're going to see Daniel and his friends finding themselves in, in their exile. Now, there are two things that I want to point out to you guys, two points that I want to leave you guys with tonight. And the first comes from a question that I think we have to answer. The first question is this, I mean, where is God in all of this? This is an important question for us to answer. Where is God at in all of this. Because we can look at the story of Daniel, we can say, you know what? If, if Judah, if the Israelites were God's chosen people, why would a loving God allow his people to be overthrown, abandoned, and then taken into a hostile culture in exile? Where is God in all of this? And what I wanna say to that is this. Friends, you have to know that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. To be sovereign means to be the supreme power and authority over all things. So when we say that God is sovereign, what we are saying is that God sits outside of the control of any other person or being on this world. To say that God is sovereign is to say that God is in total control of all things. And it's important that we know that there is not a thing that occurs on this earth that God is unaware of or unprepared for. And that statement was true in the story of Daniel that we're gonna walk through this week. And that, story, that statement is true for us today. The events that we're gonna be reading about in the story of Daniel, I'm gonna be honest, there are gonna be times that you're gonna say, man, that sucks. You're gonna look at the story and these situations, these circumstances, they're gonna seem bleak and they're gonna seem dark and it's not gonna look like there's much hope and we can be asking this question, where is God in all of it? And I wanna take us back to verse one because we see where God is at in all of this. This is what it says in the first two verses. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. Now catch this in verse two. The Lord handed Jehoiakim over. Who handed Judah over to their enemy? It was the Lord. And we can ask this question. How could a loving God do that to his people? How could a loving God hand his people over to the enemy to be exiled in a place that's hostile towards them and the very God that they love? And friends, one of the things that the under, this, this understanding, this perspective has changed my life 
and given me an ability to trust God in, in the face of opposition, in the face of really crummy circumstances, and it's this. Sometimes God uses things that we don't think or understand to be good to bring about ultimate good for us. And this is what we got to understand about this. When we talk about God, we are talking about an uncreated creator. Right? God has no beginning and he will have no end. He sits outside of space and time and all of those things. And God is a holy and a perfect God. And God has an understanding of this world and of our lives and what we need that is far greater than anything that you or I could dream for ourselves. And so what happens though is we find ourselves in messy situations in life and we ask that question, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, if you really loved me, how could you allow me to go through this or that or the other? And what I've come to understand is this. You guys, God knows so much more than I do. God's understanding of what I really need is so much greater than my understanding of what I think I need for myself. And so God often uses things and allows us to go through things that we would deem as bad, bad stuff. And he takes those crummy circumstances and he uses them for our good. Why? Because God is sovereign. And it's important for us to know this truth this week as we dive in. Because as we study a story that parallels our world so well, and we read that these, these crazy things that are gonna happen to Daniel and his friends, if we can remember as we read the story that God is sovereign over everything that happened then, I believe that it'll build our confidence that when we find ourselves in similar moments like Daniel and his friends, that we can say, you know what? And I can freak out and I can worry, but I'm not going to because I know that God is sovereign and he's working out these things for my good. The second thing that I want you guys to know tonight, before we really dive in tomorrow into this story, is this, that as Christians, this world is not our home. As Christians, this world is not your home. And I know that that can be so hard to believe. I know that, that can be so hard to accept and even just to think about and to start to understand but this, my friends, this perspective on life can completely change the way that we interact with difficult circumstances and a culture that is in complete opposition to the way that we love our God. This world is not our home. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Peter writes this. He says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Notice what he says. He says that God has given us a new birth. Friends, a new birth signifies a new life. Okay? Which means that the, the birth and the life that you have here on this earth is not the only life that you have. If you have declared Jesus as the Lord of your life, you have a life that is found in him. And Peter writes of this. He says he's given us a new birth into a living hope from Jesus. And he says it's held where? In heaven. Friends, as Christians, 
we have to understand that this world is not all there is for us. This place that we currently live and breathe and do everything is not all that there is. But we have a home in heaven with Jesus for eternity. And if we can remember that truth, then when we find ourselves in moments that don't look good, when we find ourselves in a place or a situation where we just say, I just don't feel like I belong, I want you to know it's because you don't. When you feel like you don't belong here in this world, it's because this, you weren't made for this world, my friends. You weren't made for the 70 or 80 or 90 years that you're gonna live here on this earth. You have a job to do, and but what you were made for is to spend eternity in the presence of God who gave you this life in the first place. And this is what we have to remember, and this is what we're gonna see Daniel remembering as he finds himself in very similar places. So though our exile here on this earth in our modern day Babylon looks different than Daniel's. And it is so important that we remember those two things. Man, number one, our God is sovereign. God is in control over everything. And number two, this world is not our home. And so we can endure hardship and we can go through things that don't feel good and don't feel welcoming and don't feel great because we know that we're not living for this world, but we are living for a place and a presence in an eternity with the God who gave us life. And with those two things, my friends, I think that we have a foundation that we can build upon for the rest of this week on how we can live resilient for God in a culture that does not love him. Let me pray, and then we're gonna wrap up tonight. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Father, thank you again for your word and the blessing that we have to be here in this place. Father, thank you for the gift uh, of Hume Lake, a place that's changed so many lives, God, and we're confident that you are here in this place. But God, let us remember that there's nothing special about this mountain. God, you're the same God here as you are at home. And so, Father, would we lean in this week? God, would you open our hearts and our minds to understand that we have a job to do and we have a God who loves us and equips us to do it so that when we leave here, we would be resilient followers in a world that is hostile towards you. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.